always thinks I'm going to start singing when the music comes on. <laughs> just so everyone knows, I'm not going to start singing. <laughs> I just wanted to scare him there for a little bit. This is the Sarah Carter Show. I'm so grateful uh, to be back. Uh, and today we have a very, very, very special guest. We always do, um, and this is an important one. This is KT McFarland. KT McFarland, remember she was working with the Donald Trump administration during the very beginnings when the FBI began its uh, now debunked investigation into the Donald Trump campaign, then administration, and uh, their alleged theory that there was conspiracy with Russia, which we now have all discovered was completely fake from the very beginning. I don't even think they believed it. And I'm talking about they, I'm talking about uh, Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, uh, former, now fired, uh, Director James Comey, uh, James Clapper, former CIA uh, Director John Brennan. Look, they all knew. I believe they all knew from the very beginning that this was a pile of lies. Because I believe eventually what we are going to discover was that they created this pile of lies to remove a duly elected president of the United States. And that is probably the biggest, and I've said this before, modern political scandal in U.S. history. This is not, like nothing we've ever seen, right? Totally new, completely unexpected from a democracy like ours that the system would be weaponized against its own, that they weaponized both the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, as well as the intelligence apparatus, the CIA, including the NSA under James Clapper, that they weaponized these systems against an administration, against an incoming president, and we've seen what has happened to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. I don't know if you've been following the stories at SarahACarter.com and the stories out there that have been published regarding the Flynn case uh, by, look, best attorney Lieutenant General Flynn could have ever hoped for is Sidney Powell. She has been fighting tooth and nail to get to the truth, to get to the truth and to put that truth out there so that the American people understand that what they have done to this patriot, to this man who served over 33 years of his life in the U.S. military, and by the way, was a huge asset to the United States during the Iraq War and during uh, our war and our continuing war in Afghanistan. Without General Michael Flynn, I mean, we would have been broken, particularly in Iraq. And everything that he did to fight for our soldiers in Afghanistan. You know, they, they took this man and they destroyed him. And they being the FBI, special counsel Robert Mueller, and all of those that were targeting him inside the intelligence community. And believe me, there were enemies of his inside the intel community. They did not want Michael Flynn as the national security advisor to President Trump. There was no way they were going to let it happen. Why? Because Flynn understood. He knew where the bodies were buried. I've said this before. He knew where the bodies were buried, and he was going to conduct an investigation. He wanted to find out what was happening with the budget. Where was all this money going? What were the operations that were off the books? 
He wanted to audit all of it, and they weren't going to let that happen. But more importantly, there were two reasons. They wanted to target, most importantly, President Trump. They needed to remove him. And in order to remove him, they thought they had to remove first Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. KT McFarland goes into detail about this and her time at the White House. And I mean, you really got to hear this. I mean, her account of what happened and then her account of how it was handled. And her book, Revolution, is, is excellent. You should all purchase it and read it. But her account of what happened is very important here because there are details that most of the public is not aware of that only people inside the White House were aware of at the time. And that's why this is so important. That's why we've got to get the truth out. Uh, Katie McFarlane also explains, also explains where the administration is going from here on out with regard to China. The Chinese Communist government and the direct threat they pose to the United States, to our stability, to our future, to the health of our global community. And I'm serious when I say this, and she said this over and over and over again, that if we don't do something now, we could lose this country forever. We don't want to do that. We don't want to give up. We are not going to give up this fight. <clears throat> China has gone after us, and China has made it their goal to target the United States and the European nations as it seeks to dominate the world. We have had Gordon Chang on here before. He's an expert. He's spoken about this. We're going to have KT McFarland, and she is going to talk in detail about what China is doing, folks. And it's, it's quite frightening. This is why it's important. This is why you go and you vote and you pay attention to what's happening in the world and you ask questions. And by the way, I want to go into just a little bit into our civil liberties issue, because right now I think we are dealing with something that we've never seen before in the United States of America. We're seeing people that are being arrested for opening up their businesses again. Um, we see neighbors turning in neighbors. We see people that go to the park to play with their child and mothers are getting handcuffed. Well, thank God this isn't happening every second of every day. But even though it happens once or twice or we see it in the news and we hear these stories, you have to ask yourself, what are we giving up? Are we so afraid of this virus, this coronavirus, that we're willing to give up our freedoms as Americans? I mean, is that really where we're heading? That this virus that we don't even really truly understand, that even the statistics just don't make sense, that we've been on lockdown, that our economy has been shut down, that we're willing to walk away from those freedoms granted to us, those civil liberties in our Bill of Rights, in our Constitution, we're willing to do that. No. We should not be willing to do that. I believe in America. I believe we have common sense. I believe we know how to take care of one another and that we don't want to infect each other. We don't want to harm people who are most vulnerable. We will do the right thing. We will do the right thing. But we can't be imprisoned in our homes. And we can't be arrested 
for wanting to open up our business because we can't feed our kids. I was just talking about this last week. I was volunteering. I was delivering food um, with the church to to families in um, underprivileged neighborhoods, uh, people that really don't have the same kind of access or financial access to be able to go to the grocery store or order online. They just can't do it. They do not have the money to do it. They can barely make their bills because they've lost everything. They've lost everything. Went out there and I did that. I helped deliver the food. We are all helping each other. I wasn't terrified. You know, wear my mask, you wear your gloves, you talk to people, you get the food delivered, you do what you can to help your neighbor. But there's nothing unique. Americans are doing that all across the country. People in every state. But why are we willing to give up? To give up our common decency, our right to privacy, our freedoms. Because of this? Because we're being scared, we're living in fear? I mean, for crying out loud, when there is technology that can monitor how close we are to another person and let our you know, uh, employers know that we're violating the six-foot rule line, I mean, that's just kind of crazy. And when people are actually being arrested for wanting to open up their businesses, I mean, I don't even know. I, I think to myself, like, is this America? Can I throw another angle to that, Sarah? Because right. Go ahead, Adam. Well, what I was thinking, and it's something that I'm experiencing, is there's a lot of people that aren't just trying to feed their families again, but there's that inner sense of fight and drive to not let something that you've worked so hard for and built from the ground up, which I'm talking about their businesses, they don't want to let it die and they just want to go and give it a fighting chance. Let me just open my doors. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from, too. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. People who have had their businesses in, right here in Old Town Alexandria, in Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia. There are so many people that have had businesses that have been here for decades that are probably going to see their businesses disappear. Adam's a small business owner. I'm a small business owner. We don't want to lose our businesses. We don't want to watch everything that we've worked for just fall apart. Just fall apart. And you have to rebuild again. And some people... It's going to be impossible for them to rebuild again. It's just going to be impossible. What about caring about those people? Can't we care about both? I am so tired of hearing people, uh, especially in the media, who sit at home. I'm not going to judge anyone sitting here. I'm not going to judge anyone sitting here. I just want to keep my business going so I can pay my employees, right? as best I can, and it's tough. Advertising dollars are down. We're not seeing the same influx of money at all. But I'm thinking about people in the media that are telling people, oh, you better stay home. If you don't stay home, you're gonna be responsible for the death of those that uh, are the most vulnerable. What? What are they talking about? What are they even saying? Can what we play nonsense is Can this? we play that clip from Chicago from last Please. Oh man, we didn't get yes. a chance to do that. Listen to this, folks. This is a, this is something that actually happened. Now, I've directed Superintendent Brown to order all police districts to give special attention to these parties. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. 
And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail, period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. I don't like your tone, ma'am. Well, we will take you to jail, period. <laughs> Although they're letting people out of jail because they're afraid that the coronavirus in, you know, in those close quarters will actually spread and be and, and be worse by putting people in jail. But then we're going to take you to jail if you throw a party. You know, and those kids in that neighborhood, when she was talking, there was a, a point where the mayor's walking around with everyone and, and all of a sudden, you know, they're telling these kids that they've got to disperse. These kids are out there playing basketball, just trying to get out of the house for a minute. And he says, you get out. One of the kids say, you get out of this neighborhood. You, you disperse. You put a mask on. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. You know, nobody cares about the kids in Chicago right? They're probably thinking that. When do you care about us? Gun violence, gang activity, drug addiction, loss of life. How long has that been going on in Chicago? When did every, anybody ever walk down there in that neighborhood and tell those kids, don't worry, we love you. We're going to protect you from all of these horrible people that are distributing narcotics in the streets, that are killing you every single day despite all of their crazy gun laws they don't care you know what that's the sad truth here everybody seems to act like they care right now because of coronavirus we're all in this together hashtag together in this and this and that and this and that and this and that you know we have seen things just as bad in our country where we should have been in it together but I'm going to tell you the most important thing we should be in together. The most important thing we need to be in together is basically our constitution, our foundation of our country, our rights. That's what we need to fight for more than anything on planet Earth. You know, somebody said one time, I think it was actually Governor Andrew Cuomo, Adam and Jenny, when he said, you know, well, it's not death. He kept saying, ah, oh, being locked up in your house, well, it's not death. Oh, not being able to go to the grocery store, well, it's not death. Well, not having a job or your business, well, it's not death. You know, go ahead and do an essential job. But the one thing people have always been willing to fight for, the one thing that makes our nation unique, the one thing that my husband did, being in the military, and almost losing his life and our friends who did lose their lives out on the battlefield was fighting for this country. Not because it's a piece of land, not because it's a house or a piece of property we gotta protect, but because of what it stands for. It stands for freedom and civil liberties and people from all over our world come here and yes, some of them lose their lives on the road trying to get into the United States, trying to find a way to get here. They will lose their lives. And yes, our soldiers and our military troops that are out there fighting will lose their lives and give up their life. Why? To protect this great country. 
God help us if we give up those freedoms that make us so unique, so exceptional in this world. God help us if we give that up out of fear. We should never do that. We should never do that. This country is worth far more than that. But we can use our common sense. We can protect one another. We can help one another. But God help us if we become China people. God help us if we start monitoring everyone in order to control a virus that we can't see. Sure, it's scary. Sure, it's something unknown to us. But we're smarter than that. We're better than that, and we should never, ever let that happen. I'm going to bring on KT McFarland now. She is the former Trump deputy national security, national security advisor and author of Revolution, Trump, Washington, and We the People. She is brilliant, and she has so much to say. KT, I'm so happy to have you on the Sarah Carter Show. Uh, it's been difficult, I know, for all of us to communicate because of the lockdown. But you made some time for me uh, from uh, the beautiful, beautiful state of Florida, from Sarasota. So thank you for joining us today because there's so much we need to talk about. It's a pleasure and an honor. And I don't live in Sarasota, but our daughter lives here. And my husband and I flew down from New York to meet our brand new grandson. And, and help out a little as good grandparents, you know, do the middle of the night feedings. So our daughter, who is running for the Florida State House from the 72nd District in, in Florida, which is Sarasota, so she can campaign, virtual campaign, and also be brand new mother. And it's working out pretty nicely. Wow. She's like you, KT. Give her a <laughs> shout out. Let's hear her name. I think this is amazing. Okay. It's Fiona for Florida. Dot com And it's Fiona McFarland, Lieutenant Commander McFarland, who is a Naval Reserve Officer, Naval Academy graduate, and she is running for the Florida State House of Representatives. And she is the front runner in an open seat. So we're very hopeful and optimistic about the outcome. Well, you must be very proud. And how exciting to have a new baby in your life. And uh, did it bring back a lot of memories? Are you exhausted in the morning? <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> but, you know, Sarah, as you know, as a mother, it's like yeah. getting back on a bike. You know, you've already, you already know how to do it somewhere in your muscle memory. And so it comes right back. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. You, you think you're going to forget and you don't. You're just there like you waking up like a zombie, walking over to the room, feeding the baby, <laughs> returning back to your room. You don't even remember you did it, right? You know, it's just that's one of those right. things that comes natural. But I want to take you to something, bring it back over here to Washington, D.C. for a little bit, away from all the beauty uh, and family life in Florida. And I'm sorry to do that to you. But, you know, there's been so much news out there uh, breaking left and right, uh, mainly due to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn and his case. Uh, Sidney Powell, obviously, the defense attorney that has been uh, working to unearth documentation that she says will vindicate uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Now, a lot of this information has come from the Attorney General's office, from Jensen, uh, as well as William Barr. He appointed him uh, to dig into the case. And what we're seeing now, what we're seeing right now, is that they were going to close the case against Flynn on January 4th, 2017. They kept it going in an effort to keep uh, this investigation into the campaign in which you served and, and the administration in which you served alive, this Russia hoax investigation uh, where the FBI was trying to prove there was some conspiracy with Russia. 
What do you think, KT, is going on here? And as all of this information continues to come out, are you surprised by it? Are you stunned at how far some of these officials within the FBI and the intelligence community went to target uh, President Trump's administration? You know, Sarah, I mean, as you know, I was I was General Flynn's deputy as the deputy Correct. national security advisor and worked closely with him for his three weeks in government, but also during the transition. I guess I'm not surprised because it was pretty obvious when they came after me the same way they came after General Flynn, that this was at the highest levels of the FBI. They were doing stuff they should not have been doing. What surprised me is how they thought they could get away with it. I mean, they were so confident that nobody was ever going to find them out that they even, you know, they even sort of took notes in their own handwriting to say things like, well, what do we want in interviewing Flynn? Do we want the truth or do we want to set him up in a perjury trap? I mean, they were open and blatant about what they were trying to do. That was certainly what they were trying to do with me. I can't wait to see what the handwritten notes are about my interviews because it was the same thing. It was a perjury trap, it was attempted blackmail, um, and it was intimidation and an effort to bankrupt people, not because they cared about Flynn or me, but it was all an effort to get to Trump. That's it. It was all an effort to target President Trump. And it didn't matter how many lives were ruined along the way, it appeared. They were willing to do that in an effort to mm -hmm. go after him. And you're right. The strange thing was is that they did believe they would all get away with this. So they were very sloppy, I would say. Sloppy mm -hmm. in leaving notes behind, sloppy in their text messaging to one another. KT, what do you think needs to happen here? I mean, when you look at this, when you see what there's prosecutor John Durham, he's investigating the, um, I guess, the whole of the FBI's yes. Russia investigation. And we have Attorney General William Barr, who uh, says that he is um, adamant about ensuring that justice is served, but that evidence be collected. What do you think needs to happen? Looking back on your career, long career, as a national security advisor working in the Department of Defense, somebody who has been intimately involved in government, when you see this kind of internal corruption that has been exposed and Americans worried about a two-tier justice system, what needs to happen in order to regain America's trust and for us to move forward? Well, certainly, you know, obviously Flynn should be exonerated. There's, I mean, there was no question about that. But I think it needs to be a whole lot more than that. And just sacrificing a few mid-level FBI agents isn't going to be enough. It really, this could only have happened with the permission or at least the knowledge of people at the very highest levels of the FBI, the CIA, the D Department of Justice, probably even the, the Obama White House. I mean, I know from all of my decades in government experience that I go back to the Nixon administration and Henry Kissinger and Watergate, that these decisions are not made by mid-level bureaucrats. This is only stuff that can happen at the highest level. Let me give you an example. Um, on the, uh, during General Flynn's tenure the, in the third week, right before he was fired, uh, we got a phone call at the NSC saying that General Flynn had given an interview to the Washington Post about his conversation with the Russian ambassador. And there were some inconsistencies. And the reporter was calling from the Washington Post saying that they had a transcript of the phone call between General Flynn and Ambassador Kislyak and that Flynn's statements didn't coincide with the transcript. That was like a really big wake-up call for me. First of all, I had the highest security clearances in the government. 
I didn't even know we were wiretapping General Flynn. I didn't know that there was a transcript. And I certainly didn't know that people were handing those kinds of the most secret information over to Washington were Post reporters. I mean, to this day, nobody knows what that phone call was all about. And that was the crux of their accusations against Flynn. But the only people who know are the people who got the transcripts. People in the intelligence community. And the Washington Post. And the Washington Post, because Flynn never had had that opportunity. Flynn hasn't seen them. His lawyer hasn't seen them. Nobody's seen them, except some reporters and some people in the intelligence community who have made common cause to try to get rid of Flynn and to get rid of Trump and to hobble Trump's ability to be president. But there's a second motivation of why they went after Flynn specifically, not just as a way of getting to Trump, but because Flynn had proposed, and certainly had been talked to, we had talked about it internally during the transition, he wanted a full-scale reorganization of the intelligence community. There are 16 sprawling agencies, which are not as effective as they should be. They haven't modernized, they haven't kept up with the social media age. And Flynn wanted to oversee a, a really a reformation and reorganization of the intelligence community writ large. And they knew that. There were reports of it in the Wall Street Journal that Flynn was intending to do that. The same way he had done that to the Defense Intelligence Agency when he was head of that in the Obama administration. So that was this was a preemptive strike. Get Flynn fired. That was one of the hand notes of the of the interview that they went to go interview, interrogation of General Yes, Flynn. those were I mean, uh, we want to get fired. Yes, That's right. Those stuff. were Bill Priestip's notes. And those notes came directly after he met with Andy McCabe, who was then the deputy director of the FBI and the director, James Comey. And I've spoken to sources in the FBI, and nothing happened. No direction. No direction was taken unless it was given by Deputy Director Andrew McCabe and Comey. So anytime Bill Priestip said anything, anytime he had any directive, it was because he was basically being told what to do by his higher-ups. And those higher-ups were also connected, just like KT said, to people within the administration. You don't do this by yourself. You don't run this kind of special. This is called a special in the FBI. And this is the reason why everything was so close hold, because this was an administration. They were investigating an actual president of the United States. But, KT, I want to go back to something that I think the American public really needs to pay attention to, and it's what you said about listening in to Flynn, that when that Washington Post reporter said they had the transcripts of Flynn's conversation with the former Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, I mean, that must have been stunning because that is one of the most highly classified pieces of information, those transcripts in the United States government. That's listening in on someone else's phone. Not only that, the, the Washington Post, basically, even when they wrote about it, even when David Ignatius wrote his column, it immediately alerted the Russians that we had, basically, signet intelligence on the Russian ambassador. Right, right, that too, yeah. You know, look, I mean, when I, I write about this at great length in my new book, Revolution, Trump, right. Washington, and We the People. I've got two whole chapters devoted to General Flynn. And the, and the Russia hoax and the Mueller investigation, what they did to me, what they did to Flynn. And when we found out that the Washington Post either had a transcript or was read a transcript, I walked back into my office, tiny little office in the West Wing, closed the door, and I was just shattered because I thought, wait, the intelligence community 
is listening into phone calls of one of the highest officials in the United States government, and they're doing it with impunity. Who else are they listening into? Were they tapping Trump's phone? Were they tapping mine? Who else were they listening into? What were they doing? And who was giving them permission? This is not some rogue junior agent. And this had to be a number of intelligence agencies who were in on it. It wasn't just the FBI. It would have been the FBI, the CIA, NSA. So it, it was, to me, that was the signal that it was a probably an across-the-board cabal of senior leaders in the intelligence community who were working with their favorite people in the media, feeding them stories, twisting things around, giving it their spin. Why? Because they didn't like the outcome of the 2016 election. And they thought that they were the people in charge of government, not the American people, not the voters, not the choice of the American people. But they had the right to overrule the choice of the American people in what's supposed to be a democracy. And this is the deep state writ large. This is the deep state deciding we're going to take Trump down however we have to do it however many lives we ruin, however many rules we break, however many people we bankrupt and destroy, because we think that we are much more, have much more right to rule this country than the elected people of the, of the voters of America. Well, I mean, me, that's pretty bad. That's pretty frightening, but it's still happening, KT, because yeah. what we're seeing now, there are continuous leaks we have seen the targeting of President Trump, not just let's go back to the whole Ukraine impeachment, but but even with the issue of the pandemic of the coronavirus, mm -hmm. uh, we have seen the media target the administration, uh, basically utilizing the same talking points as the Chinese Communist Party, that this is the fault of President Trump when from the very beginning, I believe the Trump administration did everything in its power to try to mitigate the spread of the virus in the United States. and. I think it's very important that I that I talk to you about China because this is an area of the world that you truly understand. And we were in Korea together. Yeah. Uh, and you're very familiar with the region, with the governments. Um, it is an area of expertise for you. So I want to get your perspective on what's happening now. The Chinese Communist Party, even though it hid from the world the the pandemic that was brewing in Wuhan, it hid yeah. this from the world. We don't know. We don't know if it escaped a laboratory. Um, there is suspicion that it did. Uh, a lot of intelligence is pointing in that direction. Uh, but, but now they're actually trying to move across the world, utilizing this pandemic to their benefit. Um, both in, I've seen it happening in Central America. We see it in Europe, even with Italy sending doctors trying to reach out, and we're in the middle of a trade negotiations with them knowing full well that we have to hold them responsible. How can China take advantage of us now? Should we be concerned about that? And what do we do to hold them accountable for what they've done to us? Well, this should be a warning shot across the bow of what their true intentions were. The reason I broke with the Republican Party establishment to support Trump in 2016 was, to me, he was the only guy who really understood, in either party, understood the growing threat of China. Everybody else is focused on the Middle East and terrorism. I was focused and have been for decades on China, particularly in the last five years of the threat that China is posing to the whole world, particularly to the United States. I mean, the Chinese have set off on a path to dominate the, the globe by mid-century, and they've done a number of things to do it. They have a Made in China 2025, 2025 plan to beg, borrow, steal, or buy the 10 technologies of the future. It's, it's artificial intelligence, robotics, systems engineering, et cetera. 
The second part is they've established a one belt, one road. It, it's a super highway that connects Europe and the Middle East and South Asia to China and to Asia. So it's a new Silk Road. It, it's, they want to dominate all trade. It's a Eurasian trade route. The next thing they're doing is they're, by using uh, naval ports that they're building, ostensibly commercial ports, but ultimately military ports on the east coast of Africa and in South Asia and in the South China Sea, they intend to then control the world's largest maritime trade route. In addition, and probably most, I think, most frightening for the future, is with their 5G network, they plan to build the internet infrastructure of the future so that the Chinese will be in control of all of the internet communications we have, text messages, cell phone, television, you name it, it's all going to be under Chinese domination. So they plan to control communications, trade, military routes, and in addition, all of the technology. That was the plan before the virus. Once the virus got out of the lab or wherever the heck it came from, the Chinese have used it as a bioweapon to the world. They're accelerating their plan within five years, really within a second term of Trump or whoever else is president in the next five years, they plan to come out of this the way you, the U.S. came out of World War II, in charge of everything, and they want to rewrite the international rules of order. They've been blatant and open about this. There is no mistake of what their intention is, and they're well on their way to doing it, in part because of the useful idiots in the American press corps who parrot the Chinese Communist Party talking points. Not only the useful idiots in the press corps, but people within our own governments previously who basically mm -hmm. sold out, did not um, oversee the way they needed to China's entrance into the U.S., both, both in the telecom industry as yes. well as other important manufacturing industries. Over 90% of our antibiotics made in China mm -hmm. um, uh, are painkillers in China. But I wanted to ask you this because FCC Brendan Carr was on the Sarah Carter Show uh, about a week and a half ago, and he explained to me something that I didn't even realize, that the Chinese government, that their telecom companies had built infrastructure in Montana for the 5G networks right near our nuclear silos. So as he was in Montana overseeing what was going on here just last year, just taking a look, even though these are not fully operational and they're not operational in 5G, I just want to make that clear right now, yeah. but it was actually Chinese workers that they brought in to supervise the building of these infrastructures in Montana near our nuclear silos in an area that's very rural, which we really didn't need to have those infrastructures there in the first place, and that's really frightening. And two, China Telecom, which is very interesting. And they're reviewing that right now of whether or not we're going to remove China Telecom. But China Telecom is actually rerouting calls they know from Washington, D.C. that go to Los Angeles get rerouted through China first. Right. And that was stunning to me that we're giving so that this much away. Everything. See, see, this right. is what they're intending to do to the whole world. And shame on us for being so stupid that we didn't see it coming. Right. We were distracted. We took our eye off the ball. But that's the intention. And, and the reason you know that every Chinese company, whether they say, well, we're a private company, we're state-owned, doesn't matter. Because the, under Chinese law, any Chinese company, any Chinese individual has to cooperate with and take orders from the Chinese government if asked. So there is no such thing as a private Chinese company. They all are, are required by law to turn over whatever the Chinese intelligence services want from them. So in this case that you've just described, 
and they're rerouting the calls, they're listening in on everything. They're tapping into whatever our nuclear weapons secrets are in rural Montana. These are not nice guys who are playing fair. And, so how do we and, deal with just, them, Katie? Okay, how well, do we I, deal you with know, them? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They are when they knew they had a, an epidemic on their hands, a pandemic. What did they do? They didn't tell the world. They sent around the world people who were potentially infected with the Wuhan virus. They sent them abroad to Italy primarily at first and to the U.S. They used the time when they were denying they had a problem to corner the market on medical supplies, pharmaceuticals. You know, the reason you can't get Clorox wipes, the reason you can't get rubber gloves and masks, the Chinese cornered the market on it. They're playing very dirty. Now, look, I think that Pompeo is right. We should go after them. We should sue them. We should do whatever we can. But... I think that the more realistic plan for us is to immediately, not five years from now, but immediately do three things. One, bring the supply chains home. The Chinese have threatened us with, with penicillin. And they do, as you just said. They manufacture 95% of penicillin or the ingredients that go into penicillin. They basically have said to us, if you say bad things about China, you're not getting penicillin next year, America. They've already done the same thing to Europe with pharmaceuticals. So bring those supply chains home. Incentivize it. Give companies a tax break. But bring that stuff home, whether it's for pharmaceuticals, technology, military-related equipment, energy supplies, electricity. Just bring it home. Number two. Work with our allies, work with other countries who are getting similar treatment from China. Now, I think, for example, we could have a U.S.-U.K. trade deal in short order, and that would be the foundation that we could build with other countries, which are democracies, follow the rule of law, have free and open market systems, capitalism, and work with them. China wants to pick us off one at a time. They want to pick France off. They want to pick Italy off. They want to pick South Korea off. But if we're all together and united, they can't pick us all off. So we should, that's the second thing we should do. Work with our allies to have a united front against China. Third, and this is really important, we have cut back on research and development since the Reagan years when I was in government. We need to reamp that up. We need to increase our research and development. We need to make sure that we dominate the technologies of the future. We need to incentivize government research, but also incentivize private sector. And then once we innovate and develop the stuff, keep it here, protect it. Don't let it get begged or borrowed or stolen or bought by China. We're the innovators in this. We know how to do it. China doesn't. Other countries don't, which is why let's emphasize what we're really good at and then maintain it here and use it to our own advantage. I couldn't agree more with you. I could <laughs> not agree more with you. And I want President Trump and the administration to really understand what you're saying. I mean, do you think they won? Do you think they're going to move in this direction? Have you heard? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good sign. I talked to the president. I talked to the you know, senior advisors. And I know that we're all thinking the same thing. Bring that supply what chain if, home. What if, and I what would if emphasize, we don't? What if we don't? So, I mean... You know, look, in five years, China plans to rewrite the rules of order in the international community. They've already said it. They've said it. they're already starting to do it. The World Health Organization, they were complicit in covering up for the Chinese Correct. as the Chinese were moving out to exploit the pandemic of the coronavirus, right? Well, China plans to do that with all the international organizations. Truth dies. Truth is the first thing that dies in dictatorships. And if you think that the United States or any country is going to be allowed to have an independent foreign policy, an independent trade policy, if China's setting the rules, think again. Just look how they've acted in the last three months. They've shown their colors. 
and they've shown what's happened to us and how we have now become susceptible because of this pandemic, because they didn't tell us the truth to the same type of strange restrictions. It was interesting. I think it was the governor. It was Governor Abbott of Texas who mm-hmm. was saying uh, when there was a hair a hairstylist uh, that opened up her salon who was arrested in Texas, and he said, I feel like this is something that happens in China, not in America. This shouldn't be happening here. And I'm really concerned about, you know, what China has gained from this, basically, because even if they didn't do it to begin with as a weapon, right, even if this was not utilized in the beginning as an economic weapon, it was something that accidentally happened. It was another virus spread. They've actually learned from it, right? They have have literally shut down the global economy and America has fundamentally changed. China's not shut down. I mean, the right. Chinese are going around the world and they're saying, see, look, we know how to handle this. See how well we've done. Our economy's back up and running. We don't have problems with the pandemic. Look at those incompetent Americans. Look at those incompetent Europeans. They don't know how to do it. The Chinese system is best. And what you just pointed out, it's a total surveillance state. So they're saying if you have a total surveillance state, you can solve your you can solve your virology problems, your virus, <laughs> your pandemic. But I don't really think that's the answer the American people are looking for. And I don't think the American people are going to put up with it. Any final words of wisdom, KT, for everyone out there who's concerned about what's happening in our country right now, who's worried that we're maybe reacting in fear to this or to those that really aren't taking this seriously enough? Look, I think we have we have three to five years to fix this. It's drifted way too long. And unless we take charge of this with a national industrial plan with maintaining the high commanding heights of technology lest we bring the supply chains home which by the way will mean more jobs for americans who are currently unemployed and unless we build with like-minded nations to stand up to china then in five years time the american domination the american liberal world order that we've all had and enjoyed peace for 70 years of prosperity it's going to change it's the 21st century will be the Chinese century. And then we'll all have to scramble to figure out what our place is, and it is, and it certainly will not be a a world order that would be dominated by freedom of navigation, by respect for laws, by all the things that we've come to think of as just taken for granted. They can disappear within, within the decade. So get involved, stay involved, vote in every November. eligible to vote in. That's right. No, because it's just this serious. What KT is saying is just this serious. We can lose this way of life. This is fragile. We have to fight for it. We have to believe in it. We have to do what's right. We have to support one another, but we can't give away our freedom. We can't give away what makes us exceptional as a nation. We just can't do it because the minute you start to do that, the minute it starts to erode the foundation of this country will crumble. And we will be left, our, not just us, but our children and future generations and your grandbaby to pick up the pieces of a world that's going to be completely different than what it has been over the last 70 years. You're absolutely right, Katie. If we lose this, we don't ever get it back. So get involved. Stay involved. This is not somebody else's fight. This is your fight. The average man and woman in the United States, get out there and vote. Get out there and Stay active, stay informed, stay concerned. Listen to people like Sarah Carter. <laughs> Thank you, but this is a good fight. 
Oh, I'll keep up the good fight, KT, but this is why I have you on the show today, because there is no one like you. I mean, you really are a gem. You're an American treasure. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Please, everyone, get her book, Revolution. It's so important. It gives you a full understanding of what happened inside the administration and where we're going in the future. And, I mean, there's nobody like KT to tell you this. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day in beautiful, sunny Florida with your wonderful family. Thank you very much, Sarah. I'm back at you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay involved. I will. Thank you. You too, KT. Five years. KT McFarland gives us five years. I agree with her. I agree with her, and I think this is a dire warning. And we have to take this seriously. We have a chance now to turn this around. China does not need and should not be the dominant global nation. Absolutely not. The United States and its allies see what's coming. And we can put a stop to it. We have to want to put a stop to it, folks. We have to want to take charge. We can't just give up. You know, and that takes me back to the, you know, opening of the show where I talk about freedoms. What is it worth? What are we worth? What are we willing to fight for? And, you know, this is someone you want to listen to. Katie McFarland has served in many administrations. She held national security posts in the Nixon, Ford, and Reagan administrations. I mean, she works with Dr. Henry Kissinger. She understands this region of the world. She is not just talking. She is somebody who truly sees what can happen. So let's heed her warning and let's listen. And hopefully, you know, come November, if President Donald Trump is reelected, This administration is going to heed those warnings and move forward. We need that. We must have that. Now, I'm going to move on because there is great news that just broke. And uh, the salon owner from Texas has actually been released from jail. Thank God the Supreme Court ruled in her favor. This is huge news. And I need to make a clarification because while I was talking to KT, I said it was Governor Abbott who said it was like China. Um, that arresting the salon owner reminded him of China, not America. It was actually not. It was Attorney General Paxton of Texas. I apologize for that. Attorney General Paxton, you're awesome. So are you, Governor Abbott. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that right off the bat. Also, there is more developments. I mean, on SarahCarter.com, you've got to go there and read some of the stories we have. Logan Raddick just did a phenomenal story on how much land in the United States is actually owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Our agriculture, you want to take a look at that. Look at some of the work that Jenny's been posting there. I mean, she is really holding them accountable. And them being, I'm talking Lisa Page and Comey and all of these other folks that were targeting our administration, targeting the people in the Trump campaign. And also, I have a number of breaking stories on there. Uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, uh, what's happening in his case. And we're also taking a very, very close look. I've got a breaking story on China as well, something I brought up uh, during my interview with KT. It's a huge story, by the way, and it's about how China right now is actually stopping the shipment of um, and has basically halted the shipment of monkeys for research. So basically our biomedical uh, facilities do not have 
uh, the monkeys that they need in order to conduct the coronavirus research. Uh, this has gone all the way up to the Trump campaign. I mean, right now to the Trump administration. Uh, they've also reported this uh, to the U.S. ambassador to China. So go on to sariacarter.com if you want to read more about that story. Uh, it's pretty frightening to think about what's happening now in our world. I know it's been tough on all of you. It's been tough on me. It's been tough on my family. But we're grateful that we have each other. And I'm grateful that I have you out there, the listeners and people across this country that truly love this nation and are willing to fight for it. I can't thank you enough for being a part of this show. Please, please, please go to sarahcarter.com. And when you listen to us, give us a five-star rating on the app, whatever app you go to to listen to The Sarah Carter Show. And remember, you can follow me at Sarah Carter DC. That's at Sarah Carter DC on Twitter. Um, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for Jenny. Thankful for Adam. Thankful for Logan and my family and this wonderful, wonderful country. And most of all, I'm thankful for you being there and for being a part of this great nation. Remember, America, we're taking the story back.